the seven best cities in the world to work from home on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Accounting and bookkeeping mistakes destroy thousands of small businesses every single day. Bookkeeping doesn't have to be hard. Turn to the number one invoicing software for small businesses. Start for free today at servnomaster.com backslash FreshBooks. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. I woke up early this morning. My son was kind enough to wake up at four in the morning, and he loves talking so loud. And before recording this episode, I was looking for some inspiration, some ideas. I had a couple of ideas swirling. I always try to mix up the topics. I was afraid that I would talk about inspiration two days in a row or motivation two days in a row or blogging two days in a row. I don't want to do that. And I saw this really interesting article when I was doing research on epictions, which is very similar to Buston. It's a platform where it shows me ideas. And I saw this article called The 10 Best Cities to Work From Home In. And I wrote down some of the cities, and the list was Chicago, Austin, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Denver, Dallas, and Tampa. I know that's not the complete list, but I didn't want to scroll down more and read the rest of the article. That was enough for me. Because I used to live in Tampa, I'm very aware of cost of living stuff. And I looked at these and I thought, Chicago right now has a major murder problem. Their numbers are through the roof. Washington, D.C., same thing. Crazy expensive, San Francisco crazy expensive. They listed a bunch of cities that I would never live in because they have big crime problems right now or they have massive, massive cost of living problems. I, this list, San Francisco is one of the most expensive cities to live in in America right now. When you look at the squalor that people are living in, there are houses that look like dumps they are selling for millions of dollars. So I saw this list and I realized that so many reporters are completely out of touch with reality. I can guarantee you that the person who wrote that article, and I don't want to say the platform or say the name of the reporter, but I can guarantee you that they are an idiot. I don't know any better way to say it. The cities they recommended are all very expensive. The cities they recommended would be very tough. One of the things I think they looked at, and this is something that is totally different, is cities where there's a lot of companies that let you work from home. That's what they're really looking at. I think companies that let you do flexible hours and stuff like that. But when I think of work from home, I think of you're in charge of your destiny. You can work for a company, but it's completely remote. You never have to come into the office. That's work from home for me. So when I looked at this list, I said, this list is terrible. I gotta do something better. And here's a list of seven places that I think are way better, and I'll explain why each of them are better in great detail. The main things I look at are cost of living, internet speed, and how hard it is to go there if you're American. Now, if you're from a different country, I know I have English, Canadian, uh, Australian followers. I, I don't have enough time in one of these short episodes to list down the visa requirements for every different country, but these are some rough ones. One of the things you can do is you can just look on Wikipedia, the list of visa requirements for all the different countries and kind of see what's allowed. But I happen to know that their list is very, has a lot of mistakes. So it's not totally trustworthy. It's better than go in and check what each country really requires. Some people think of Wikipedia as an encyclopedia, but it's not. Random people get to write whatever they want and then it sticks there forever. And one thing I know, having just looked at the visa list, I go, well, these aren't true. You can look up half the answers. So that tells you when you're thinking about using it as a source, please don't. It's not, it's not a trusted source. 
it's an opinion site that just happens to have Pedia written at the end of it. So the first city one I've mentioned in the past is Playa del Carmen. I recommend listening to that episode. The great things about Playa del Carmen, it's in Mexico. It's near Cancun, which means it's near a major airport, but it's not Cancun, which means it's not filled with spring breakers. Cancun basically looks like Disneyland for people that drink too much. It very much feels like you're in an artificial pretend Mexican city, whereas Playa del Carmen feels much more real. There's a lot more tourism there from Europe. You're on a beautiful lake. Maybe it's the ocean, but I thought it was a lake. I went out on a boat one day, it was wonderful. There weren't any waves. So that's why I assumed it was a lake. The advantages there is that the internet's very fast. It's very close to America. It's easy to jump back home. I've talked about Plato Carmen extensively on that episode, so I don't need to spend too long on it today, but it's a great option. Now, Plato Carmen costs about 90% less than living in Tampa. So right out the gate, you can make a lot less money and live just as good. You can cut your salary in half and have a better life just by moving south of the border. And also, Plato Carmen's not one of those cities where you always hear about gang warfare and all the violence in Mexico. That's mostly on the border and that's mostly in some of the other provinces. So you're distant from many of those problems. It's a low crime area. It's a low crime city. It's much safer than every single city in America on my previous list. It's far safer than San Francisco. Number two is a great place, a city called Cebu in the Philippines. The malls in Cebu are just as advanced as the malls in America. It's one of the cities in the Philippines that's very technologically advanced. The internet's crazy fast and the cost of living is very, very cheap. You can get a nice apartment very nice apartment for $1,000 a month, like a four-bedroom house. When I say very nice, I mean three or four-bedroom house for around $1,000 a month. I'm talking luxury two-bedroom apartment on top of a condo for around $1,000 a month. So you can live in a really nice situation. Compared to what you get for $1,000 a month in Tampa, it's night and day. The same type of apartment in Tampa would be like $5,000 a month in Washington, D.C. It'd be twenty dollars to $30,000 a month to give you kind of a feel. And the great thing about cities like this is you can just look online and see what real estate costs are and what's available. The great thing about the Philippines, and this is one of the places I noticed Wikipedia was totally wrong, is that when you first come, you get a 30-day visa, but you can extend that visa every month or every two months for up to three years. So you can come here as a tourist. You can come to the Philippines as a tourist. You can come to Asia, a lot of amazing Asian countries. You can come to the Philippines and stay for three years as a tourist. That's amazing. Wikipedia will falsely tell you that you can only stay for 30 days and you can extend once, but that's because Wikipedia, as usual, is wrong. Another great place is the Bahamas. Bahamas, you can show up and stay for eight months. Good internet island, low cost of living, paradise. Now, an interesting one, I wasn't sure if I would put this, but you can go to Canada for 180 days. You're going to show up. You can't just show up with your driver's license anymore. I think you have to have a second ID card, but you can just drive across the border, stay there for six months, and one of the advantages of Canada, there's a couple of really great reasons to move to Canada. The cost of living is not that great. I'll tell you right now. Canada's a little bit more expensive than, way more expensive than most of your other choices. But what's great about Canada is you can drive there, so it's very close. Number two, universal health care. So if you get sick, you can just drive up to the hospital. Number three, very low crime rate. And because you're just visiting as a tourist, you're kind of working for yourself, you don't really have to deal with the Canadian tax situation. So you don't have to pay for all the universal health care. Uh, you certainly can't go up to Canada and get a job working at a grocery store allowed to do that, but you're allowed to go up there and work for yourself. And it's okay because you're making money in America, but you're spending money in Canada. You're pumping money into the economy anyways. So you can just jaunt over the border for six months at a time. Real easy, really cool. You can show up on Fiji, another paradise surfing island. Come hang out with me, surf for four months without having to do any paperwork stuff. Fiji's got pretty good internet. It's getting better and better infrastructure. If you don't like Fiji, perhaps you'll like Micronesia. You can show up in Micronesia and stay forever. You show up at the airport and go, I'm here forever. They go, that's fine. The problem with Micronesia is the internet is only one megabyte per second. It's a little bit slow. As long as you're not doing video. If you're just writing books and doing uh, blogs and stuff, it's kind of okay. 
but as far as like doing video work, you'll be a little bit annoyed because it's so slow. But otherwise, it's a great option. And my seventh choice is Peru, where you can show up at the airport and stay for 183 days. We often hear about Peru as a place of civil war. We always hear about these stories in the news about the Shining Path, this terrorist organization in Peru. But they do a bombing like every 10 years and kill three people. It's not, it's often that the news overestimates the danger and all these things. So if you actually look at statistics, you're far more likely to be mugged and murdered walking down the streets of Chicago than you are be hurt in Peru. And of course, you won't live in the worst neighborhoods. Living in Peru, again, I think Peru is about one-seventh the cost of living in America. You can go up to Machu Picchu, which is paradise. You can see one of the seven wonders of the world. Peru is one of the places I haven't been to yet, but certainly on my list. I've always wanted to do Machu Picchu. Now I'm going to have to make my kids go with me. These are seven cities you can look at where you can work from home and you can actually make a lot less money than you do right now. I know I kind of flew through the list. I hate when people have to make me lit, wait an hour to hear the whole list. So when you're looking for places to live abroad, there are a couple things you need to look at. The first is to really understand the visa requirements. As Americans, we think we should be allowed to go anywhere we want to in the world and just stay there. But unfortunately, different countries have different rules. It's very, very hard. If you show up at the airport in England and say, hey, I work for myself, I have my own business in mind, I want to stay here as long as I want, they'll never let you stay. But if you say, hey, I'm a refugee, I have no plans of ever working, I just want to live off the state for the rest of my life, they'll let you right in. It's very hard. And it's the same thing back and forth. It's hard for English people to move to America. For some reason, it's very hard to move from first world to first world. It's hard to move from industrialized to industrialized. They don't like that. They're always, they say, oh, we don't want to let you stay in England because you might, you know, you might want to use insurance or something like that. You might want to take free money from the state. Right, you want, might want job seekers allowance. But it, even if you say, hey, I'll sign a paper that says I'll never take a penny from your government, they won't let you stay. So moving to England, very expensive, very difficult. Right now, it's not a great time to move there anyways. That's why I don't recommend much of Europe. Europe has a lot of problems. I think the EU, all the stuff going on there, it's very expensive. There's a lot of problems with massive res refugee resettlement programs, which means there's no room for anyone else. And crime is through the roof in all these countries. And I think the EU may eventually collapse. You know, England's trying to leave, and now they're trying to stop England from leaving. Who wants to be a part of all that junk? No thanks. It's too expensive, too much trouble. When you first look, you might first jump to Wikipedia, look at one of those lists, and you want to see how long you can stay, but also what the rules are for extending. There are plenty of countries where you can stay if you marry someone, you can stay forever, you can stay forever if you buy a certain amount of land or if you start a business, if you really wanted to move to Europe. You can go to Belgium if you start a business and employ, I think, three or five people, you can stay forever. So you can open up a small shop and employ a couple of people at minimum wage and you're golden. Every country has different requirements for how they want you to do things and what the system is. It's about doing a little bit of research. And the questions you ask yourself, do I want to live in a city? Do I want to live on the beach? Do I want to live in the mountains? Do I want to live in the countryside? That's question one. Question number two is, do you need people there to speak a lot of English? Are you willing to learn a second language? Do you already speak Spanish? opens up a lot of the world to you. Are you willing to learn Chinese if you want to move to China? These are a couple of steps we go through as we're figuring out where we want to go in the world. Most places in the world you can get away with not speaking the local language. I certainly don't speak the local language where I live. That's intentional. Sometimes people think that it's because I'm this you know, self-important American, but that's not the reason. The reason is that it forces my children to learn English. If I spoke the local dialect, then my children wouldn't have to learn English. I know someone on this island, someone who lives near me, whose children don't speak any English at all. They only speak the local dialect. They don't even speak the main dialect of the country. His children will never be able to find employment in the West. If his children, and he wants to move his children actually back to his home country, I say, well, your children are screwed. Because your children are old enough that they're locked into their language, which means they'll always have an accent. And when you have a heavy accent, you're always going to face a level of discrimination. 
as much as we want to say it's not true, when we hear a heavy accent, we often assume someone's dumb. And this is in every language. This is not an English thing. I happen to know that when you speak Japanese with an English accent, they assume you're a little bit dumb. It's totally normal. Every country does this, and it's just in our genetics. So you can really disadvantage your children doing that. I want my children growing up to speak four or five languages because I don't have that advantage. Sure, I speak a little bit of Japanese, but it's not very good. It's enough to get by. It's certainly not enough to buy a computer over the phone. And I want my children to be a level beyond that because it opens up more opportunities. But you decide, oh, this is a country where no one speaks English. This is a country where everyone speaks English. For example, in Thailand, almost nobody speaks very good English. There's a little bit of English, but especially when you go out to the provinces, you won't experience very much of it. A lot of it comes down to the television network of every country. Some, most countries, in fact, every country shows a lot of American TV shows. They either dub them or they show subtitles. And the countries that dub, people speak terrible English. The countries that subtitle, people speak pretty good English. And this is perfectly exemplified if you go around Europe. Different European countries make a different decision, and the people there speak English or don't speak English totally because of this single decision. Other things you want to look at are internet speed and crime and cost of living and infrastructure. If I want to leave the country, can I? What's the rule of law like? What's the banking system like? You can look at a couple of those things. People used to store a lot of money in South America and South American banks because the dictators would let them store all their illegal gotten gains there, and then the dictators just stole the money from them. And so we want to be aware of the rule of law in different countries. If you put all of your money into a bank in a country that's destabilized, it could all disappear. So look at these different factors. It doesn't take a lot of work to look at these things. But every single one of the places I've mentioned, I know not all of them were cities, some of them were islands, some of them were countries, are massively cheaper and massively better choices than these 10 cities that this moron wrote about. These 10 cities that are very expensive, have high crime rates, and will be more expensive than where you live right now. They'll cost you more money. Why would you want to work from home and then live somewhere expensive? That's completely silly. The best thing about working from home is that you have the ability to live somewhere very cheap. The only thing you really need is a phone, maybe a laptop, probably be more helpful, but a phone and an internet connection is enough. And there's a misconception as well that America has the fastest internet in the world. Please don't think that. It's completely untrue. If you are lucky enough to go to Thailand, I'm actually going to Thailand in a couple weeks for a conference, and you go to Thailand, you get off the plane, you see they're selling all these cell phone SIM cards, you go, oh, why do I want one of those? You put in one of those SIM cards, you pay like five or $10. The internet on your phone will be faster than your home internet in most places in America. The cell phone internet infrastructure in Thailand is insane, and there's a lot of countries like that. South Korea has amazing has amazing internet. They have amazing infrastructure. Part of it comes because they have a bit of a socialist past. So infrastructure is part of what the government takes care of. So they're very set in their ways. You want to ride a subway with internet? Go to South Korea. They have that stuff. They're very much into infrastructure. That's part of their paradigm. And it comes from their past. Different countries have different ups and downs and pluses and minuses. But there are plenty of places you can live where if you're making $500 or $1,000 a month, you can live awesome. You can live very, very nicely, including where I live. There are plenty of people who live where I live that make foreigners who live on $500 to $1,000 a month, and they live like kings compared to how they live back home. For what I spend on my family where I live right now, I would have to live in a horrible neighborhood in America. My family would have to live across the street from a junkyard or something if I wanted to spend the same amount of money in America I spend here. And I live in paradise. I'm watching another beautiful sunrise. Before you decide to move to another city in America, before you make the decision that you never want to travel, please do yourself the kindness of a little bit of research. You can actually get away with making a few hundred dollars a month online, quit your job and still live okay in another country and have time to grow and build your business. That's what's really amazing. See, when we 
think about quitting our jobs and we think about working from home, we go, oh, well, this is what I make right now. I have to make the same amount of money. And when I did the interview with Bob a few months ago now in one of the early episodes, we talk, he talked about, oh, you have to have two years of savings saved up and all these things. And that assumes that you're going to stay where you are right now. But if you're going to go somewhere much cheaper, you can actually get away with having to set up much less infrastructure. These are some of the things to really think about as you're deciding where to live. I don't want to make this an extra long episode. I just want to give you a few seeds and a few ideas of what you can think about when you're deciding how to move forward with your online business. Part of my success has been making a very, very smart decision about where to live. This provides me a lot more breathing room. 90% of my business could collapse and I could still live on this island and live well. That's what's great. You control your financial situation with two elements, what you make and what you spend. It's far easier to control what you spend. Making more money, that's hard. I know I'm teaching you how to do it and you have a lot of resources to do it and there's a lot of steps to it, but it's still hard. But when you add in cutting down your cost of living, that's very easy. So many costs that I used to have to deal with, monthly car payment, gas, car insurance, that all used to be around $500 a month for me, it's gone. And you could rent a really nice house on the beach here for that, for just what you're paying in car insurance. So think about what you want from your life. Think about how important is it to stay in America for you or England or wherever you live. And would you like to quit your job right now and live on a paradise island? The cost of living on most paradise islands is far less than the cost of living in bad neighborhoods where you are right now. And if you're in a situation right now where your kids are in a school you're not happy with and you're in a neighborhood you don't feel that great about, you should definitely take about going somewhere else where the cost of living goes down and suddenly you can afford to educate your kids yourself. Suddenly it's safe. There's no one getting murdered anywhere near me. People don't get murdered on my island. We don't have that problem. The only person on this island that's died is someone who decided to get into a gunfight with the police. So unless you make a decision that dumb, you're gonna be totally fine. There's no other crime here. There's no person on person crime. There's no murders here. There's no robberies at gunpoints here. There's no drive-bys here. All the time, you know, we think America is the safest country, but actually we have really high crime rates in a lot of categories. There are places around the world that are more dangerous, but there's a lot of places around the world that are safer. So as we make assumptions, instead we want to do research and really investigate things. And one of the things I've discovered recently, you know, doing more and more research and the pay attention to elections and all those things around the world is that a lot of times police departments and even the FBI will hide real crime statistics as part of a, an agenda. They want to hide different numbers, they put out different numbers. So I recently discovered that actually the crime rate in America is way lower than I thought it was because they'd made a mistake. The CDC had made a mistake and put out a bunch of wrong numbers. So there's a lot of misinformation out there and it requires a little bit of diligence and a little bit of research beyond reading an article on a news aggregator, beyond just listening to me, please don't move somewhere based on this podcast. What I want to do instead is inspire you to go out and do actual research and take actual control of your destiny because this will unlock some amazing things. You can live in paradise. You can live in a safer city. You can live somewhere where you can afford to educate your children privately. Private school in other countries is cheaper than public school in America. For the cost of packing your kid a lunch every day, for that same price, you can move your kids somewhere safe and put them in a private elite fancy prep school where they gotta wear a uniform every day. If I can break through some of your assumptions about cost of living and where you can make things happen, that really affords me the opportunity to change your destiny. So when you're thinking about places to move, when you're thinking about the best places to move, the best places to work from home, please think beyond the borders of your home country. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. 
Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Follow me at facebook.com backslash serve no master.